our show, Harboring Positivity. I am truly honored that you tuned in today to listen. I am your host, Marquetta Smith, the Executive Director of Safe Harbor International Ministries. We are in season two of our podcast, Harboring Positivity, where we create an open conversation about all things pertaining to families and communities. We always want to bring back the idea of how to harbor positivity within our own lives, families, and communities. This is why we take on tough topics here on this show, such as relationships, abuse, parenting, teen issues, trauma. We will even cover community issues because we know that healthy families equal healthy communities. And we're going to be talking about so much more on these shows. So join us on this journey as we focus on the family and the many complexities that surround families and our communities. Now, in our first season, our host Amanda started focusing on some interesting topics, such as how to navigate life during COVID, how to love yourself, how to get through the holidays with your crazy family members, and the list goes on and on. Intern Amanda did an amazing job with those shows. She graduated from college and our program last year, so this is why she's not with us this year. So I am truly looking forward to seeing all of the great things that God has for her life. We wish you well, Amanda. We wish you well. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to our first season and its episodes, I encourage you to go back and take a listen to some of our exciting topics that were covered by Amanda. You know, this is a podcast show that invites and brings on knowledgeable guests that can help us navigate through life's issues and answer many questions our listeners may have about our family-inspired topics. So our goal for season two is to go deeper into the things that families are dealing with and needing answers to help them get through tough times and to find the restoration and the healing that they need. With that being said, okay, you know last year, 2020, many families went through some scary hard times and situations due to all that was going on in the world. Loss of jobs, loss of income, many businesses having to shut down, families losing their homes due to major wildfires. You've seen those things on the news and massive flooding, a losing family members and friends to COVID. I know that we lost a family member last year to COVID ourselves. College students and kids having to change how they learn and go to school. This caused many families to rearrange their lives. And just, I'm going to tell you, just going to the grocery store, guys, has changed for many people. I think shopping has become very stressful for me because I feel like I have to watch where I go um, and how close I get to people on those aisles. You know what I'm talking about. When at one time, this was not an issue. I must say that 2020 was pretty scary. It was pretty a difficult year for many families, regardless of what the media is saying, that we are a nation now, we're rebounding and recovering. Let's face it, many are still trying to put their lives back together from last year. Many are still wearing the effects, the pain, and the scars from 2020, and we are not out of the woods yet, as they say. So this is why we have this show, Harboring Positivity, because we are navigating these times right there with you. We are not tone deaf to the cries of the people, and we truly understand what families are going through because we have families ourselves. So today, 
We're going to be talking about family, its importance, and why God loves the family. I will be sharing seven big responsibilities that families have. How do we define family? This really made me think and and ponder on this question. I thought about the many families that I have talked through throughout the years as I provided counseling for them. And I started to think about what exactly made them family? What structure or makeup considers family as being a family? Now, Webster Dictionary defines and describes family as a group of individuals living under one roof and usually under one head. But today we see many types of families. Traditionally, of course, we have seen the families with one father, one mother, and with children. But as our society has changed, we see more and more households changing from traditional family makeup. We see more and more siblings, uh, parent households than ever before, single parent parent households. Um, Hats off to those single moms and single dads holding it down by themselves. In some instances, we see grandparents raising their grandchildren. You may see siblings taking care of their younger siblings. You may see those aunts and uncles raising their siblings' children. What society considers a family unit has definitely expanded and it has changed, okay? We can see that families at times are put together by default, for lack of better words. We have even seen more and more more couples who cannot have children for various reasons. They are adopting and fostering children. There are many ways that God can bring families children. I have seen this. I remember this all too well as I once was a foster care social worker years ago. I was helping these foster kids find forever loving homes. And I'm gonna tell you, this was such a rewarding experience to see these kids placed with loving individuals and loving homes. You know, as also families, Uh, They can be made up of different races, ethnic groups, or a group of complete strangers literally deciding to live together and becoming a family. Now, today we call that community families. We see same-sex couples raising children or taking on neighbors' children due to parents dying. To sum all of this up, a family is considered family no matter what the makeup may be. Remember that however you became a family, God loves you and your family so much. So I'm going to tell you this. Don't let others define family for you and don't allow their judgments to shape who you consider family, okay? As I was still pondering this word family, I was interested to see how God sees these families. And I began to take a closer look at some families in the Bible, along with the first family in the Bible, Adam and Eve. And I was able to see the many things that God was telling us about families mentioned in the Bible and the many responsibilities that families have. Let's take a closer look at Adam and Eve, okay? Many times when people read or even teach about the first family in the Bible, they highlight this. They highlight Adam and Eve, the part when they sin. You know what I'm talking about. And were, and they were kicked out of their first home, the garden. Yes, they did. They sinned and they got kicked out of the garden. That is true. 
They also focus on Cain and Abel, Adam's and Eve's first sons, and they focus on those issues. It is very clear that this family was dysfunctional in some ways. The first family's sons had issues with each other. You know, siblings fighting against siblings. One son went as far as to kill his brother. Wow. Talk about having some family issues. All families have some form of dysfunction, just like the first family in the Bible. They were found being disobedient towards God, doing things in their own way, doing things how they wanted to do them, ultimately rejecting God's original plan he had for their lives. Does this sound familiar? I know it does for my family. I can see the dysfunction in my family. I'm going to tell you how at times we sinned, how at times we rejected God's guidance. Truth be told, all families have some form of dysfunction, okay? There is no perfect family. I don't care what people tell you. No family is perfect. A lot of times when I'm scrolling through the social media, you know when you're scrolling through and you're looking at different people pages, it may look like everybody got it all together. Their kids look cute with their little cute outfits and the family's looking good and they got it. They look like they got it all together. But I'm going to tell you something. Those families may be struggling and dealing with something too, okay? Don't be fooled. All families have issues. So if you ever get upset or get up, uh, mad about your family having some problems, keep this in mind that throughout the Bible, we can see so many dysfunctional families with so many problems. Know that you are not alone. I think that God put these family issues and problems in the Bible so that we can understand that no family here on earth is perfect or ever will be. That's just my opinion. But even through all the dysfunctional families in the Bible, God had a plan to restore us back to him and his son, Jesus Christ. And this in turn allowed us back in the garden to fellowship with him. Even when they messed up, even when we mess up, guys, God had a plan to restore us back to him because he has a plan for families. As we can see, God truly loves family. No matter what your family has done or what your family looks like, God loves you. He loves your family. So we can see that God did not abandon Adam and Eve or change his mind about mankind or even families. God has had a plan all along for families. He has had a purpose. He has a purpose for everything under the sun that was ever made and created. God is a strategic God, just like your family. God had originally planned and laid out your family ever before you were born. You may not have seen it, but it is true. God never makes anything without giving it a purpose. By taking a closer look at some scriptures and the stories in the Bible of the families, we will be able to get a glimpse into why God created families. We will then be able to see the purpose for families. So I want us to take a look at some families in the Bible, okay? Just bear with me for a moment. I want us to kind of go back to some things and how God gave each family responsibilities, I believe that there are many responsibilities that God has given the family, but today for the sake of time, I want to focus on seven of them, okay? So what are these seven responsibilities given to family according to the word of God? 
Number one, families are charged with the responsibility to provide basic needs, things like food, clothing, and yes, shelter. Over in Proverbs 31 and 15, God talks about the virtuous woman. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family. We can see here that God designed family to be a provider of needs for our families. Whether you are a single mom or a single dad holding it down or a couple raising children, we know now that families are designed to provide these basic needs for our loved ones under our care. Number two, families are called to pray for one another. Now, there was a man in the Bible, his name was Cornelius, okay? In Acts 10 and 2, let me go to that right now. All right. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So we can see that families are called to pray to God and pray for one another on a regular basis. Now, over in Acts 10 and 4, God even told Cornelius that his prayers and what he did for others came up to heaven as a memorial offering before God. Now, I believe that touches God's heart when he sees families praying and praying for others, where it sets up a memorial before the Lord. A memorial is something that God will remember. Now, I'm going to tell you, God will remember you and your family when you seek him on a regular basis for direction. So yes, families are called to pray for one another. This is very, very powerful. Number three, families provide protection. God has charged families to protect each other. Over in 1 Samuel 30, David's entire family was taken captive. I'm going to tell you, the first thing he did was weep bitterly over the, his family being taken. This shows us that David cared deeply about them and how he loved them so much. Secondly, David prayed for God's strength to get them back. So let me tell you, after David cried, after he prayed, he got up and he went after his family to get them back. Wow. Now that's a man who loves his family. David did not want to see any harm come to his loved ones. He would have stopped at nothing to get them back. And I truly believe that God created families to have that innate ability to protect and defend their family at all cost. Families should not want to see harm come to anyone in their family. I know I don't want to see any harm come to any of my family members. Okay, so we can see families are called to provide protection and safety for their loved ones. Number four, families are called to pronounce blessings over their family. Over in Genesis 27, 33 through 37, we see Isaac pronounce blessings over his children. We see the passing of family blessings down to the next generation. It is so important to speak blessings over our family and not curse them. Now, I know you may be saying right now to yourself, I have never cursed my family. What is this lady talking about? But think about this. When you say negative things about and over individuals, basically you're cursing them. You are speaking the opposite of what God has spoken. Like telling your son that he's going to end up just like his no good daddy is speaking a curse over him. And like talking about your niece saying that she's going to end up like her mom, 16 and pregnant. That's speaking a curse over that baby. 
God has called these children blessed and he has a purpose for that child. You may not see it because of what that child is doing now. He may be cutting up. She may be cutting up at school, skipping school, um, doing things that don't make any sense. But I'm going to tell you, but God has already called that child blessed. And we must learn to watch what we speak over our children and our families, regardless of what they're doing. This is something God really had to teach me. And he's constantly reminding me about the words that I speak over my family. They are powerful. So we see that families are called to pronounce the blessings of God over our families. Number five, families are called to provide love for each other. The opposite of love is what? Rejection. We see that many rejected individuals are walking around in life. We wonder why they act the way they act. I'm going to tell you, it's because they came from a home or a place that rejected them. Telling children, I wish you were never born. Guys, that is a form of rejection. When you speak such words, we're planting seeds of rejection and those seeds take root. There are many ways we reject our families, not speaking to them for long periods of time. You know, you got those aunties, you got those two aunties in the family. They haven't spoken to each other for 30 years over some pie or something crazy at dinner, but they, they don't speak to each other. You know, the ones I'm talking about. Ignoring family members, even when they're in the same room, you know, that couple, they got an arguing and they walking around and they haven't spoken to each other in three days. You know, never affirming family members, using our words to tell them that we love them, not using our words to tell them that we love them, not listening to them, telling them things like they don't matter. This is a form of rejection. And that list goes on and on. I can be here all day. God has called the family to love each other as Christ loves the church. And this is over in Ephesians 5 and 25. We see this in the scripture. We also see a large number of orphans in society. Guess what? They are also dealing with the spirit of abandonment and rejection. And I believe that God is moving on the hearts of families to take these orphans in and to show them the love of Christ. Rejection is such a hard thing to deal with, guys. I'm telling you, it really is. I dealt with rejection. It's really hard. God never intended for families to live in a state of being rejected. So we can see that the family was created to love one another and to show love. Number six, families are called to teach and pass down skills. In Genesis chapter four, verse two, we see that at that time, Adam and Eve, the first family in the Bible, gave birth to sons, Cain and Abel. I talked about this earlier. Both sons had jobs and they had skills. Abel kept the flocks. He was a shepherd and Cain worked the soil. He was a farmer. Where did they get these skills from? At that time, there were only two other human beings on the earth, Adam and Eve, their parents. So I think it's safe to say that and, and to assume that their parents taught them how to farm and, and, and keep flocks. Okay. If you take a look at families today, you can see that each family has skills and abilities that they pass along to their children. I look at my family, guys, and I am so blessed. I see many women in my family. They are very skillful at cooking, sewing, and making things by hand. Uh, there are women in my family who can quilt. They have passed those skills down. I can quilt now. I am just honored to, to be able to, to learn these skills. And these skills will be passed on down to the, to the next generation. 
We have so many men in our family who are good at working on cars, house repairs, and building things. I have a cousin, his name is Mark. And anytime anything happens to our cars, go wrong with them, we call cousin Mark. He's coming and he's going to fix it. I have a brother, a baby brother. He's really good at, at um, HVAC, um, anything with heating and air. We call him, anything go on with the air. You know, in the summertime, you know how your air goes out. We call him and it's fixed. I'm telling you, I see the talents in my family and I'm so truly uh, honored. I look at the raw talent and I'm amazed by all the gifts that God has given our family. I'm so glad to see them also pass these things down to the next generation. Here's a question for you. Have you ever shared your, with your family members the skills that you have learned? You may be saying to yourself, now I don't have any special talents to pass down along to anybody. Guess what? Every person on earth is equipped with some type of ability to do something. Okay, now here's a challenge for you this week. Ask God today to show you what that skill is that you can pass down. I truly believe that he would amaze you with what he shows you. All families are equipped with some set of unique skills and abilities. You just have to look around. We see that families are called to pass down and pass along skills to the younger generation. Our last and seventh responsibility given to the family, according to the word of God, is identity. In the Bible, David had a son named Solomon. One day, David received a word from God about Solomon and how God had chosen Solomon to build God's temple. In 1 Chronicles 22, we see that David wanted to build this magnificent temple, but God had another plan because he had intended for Solomon to build it, David's son. Building God's house was what Solomon was chosen to do, not his father, David. His identity was quickly discovered at a young age because David was a praying man and he saw God on what to do in every aspect of his life, including his son, who was able to be used by God. David was able to get a glimpse of Solomon, of who Solomon was and the calling on his life by praying for his son. Here's a question. All right, listen up. How many of you out here have actually prayed for your children's identity? I mean, seriously, you really spent some time in prayer asking God about your children's calling on their life and what they were born to do instead of forcing them to be who you wanted them to be. That's something to think about, okay? Here's an interesting thing also. We never see David trying to persuade Solomon to do anything else with his life. Instead, there is one passage where we see David telling Solomon who God called him to be and what he was chosen to do. David prays and prophesied over his son in 1 Chronicles. We also see how David begins making preparation for Solomon to begin to build the temple. He goes as far as to say, I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord. In all of these passages, we see how David encourages Solomon to be who God called him to be without trying to change him into who he wants Solomon to be. So in other words, David agrees with God's plan for who he has created Solomon to be and what he is to do with his life. 
So we can see that families are called to help their children establish their identity in God. As we have seen in these seven points today on what God has called the family to do, families have a great responsibility to provide basic needs, praying for one another, providing protection, pronouncing blessings, providing love, passing down skills, and yes, providing identity. It doesn't matter who your family is and how you became a family. Remember that God has a purpose for each family. And yes, he has a purpose for your family. Now, this may be a lot of pressure for some of you to think about all of these responsibilities that families have. But I want to relieve you of this pressure right now and, and encourage you to seek God for guidance on how to navigate these responsibilities within your own family. As we come to a close today on this show, I would like for you to think about this. Do you know the purpose for your family? Think about it. Something to think about, okay? Before we go, I would like to share with you some resources that we have. We have some amazing articles for you to check out that was written by our truly talented team of bloggers. If you want to know more about this subject or anything else that pertains to families, you can go to our website and view our blog posts at www.safeharborim.com and look under the blog section. We have so many great articles that can help families. We also encourage you to check out our online store if you would like more on how to pray for your family and yourself. We have a beginner's guide. It's kind of like a manual. It's called How to Pray. We all need some guidance on how to pray through difficult times. I sure know I do at different times and points in my life. So check out our store by going to safeharborim.com backslash store backslash. Also, make sure you follow us at Safe Harbor I Am on any of your social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Again, we will be addressing more family-inspired topics in our upcoming episodes, so you don't want to miss them. We also have a series coming up, guys, and this show is called Spiritual Abuse in the Church and how this has affected many families around the world that you don't want to miss. So if you know of anyone who has gone through this type of abuse, who has been taken advantage of or abused by a leader in the church or a place of worship, you may want to tell them to take a listen to our show. We will provide clarity and sound wisdom from those who have gone through this type of abuse and this type of trauma. This will not be a church hurt series, but one that will uncover and get to the truth of leadership abuse in places of worship all around the world and what to do if you have been a victim of this. We will have wise Christian leaders who will come on this show and tell their story of how they got out, how they got the healing and restoration they needed for their own life. Again, you don't want to miss this series, so stay tuned. I would love for you to join us next time as we dive deeper into family-inspired topics here on our show, Harboring Positivity. I am your host, Marquetta Smith, and remember, until next time, that you are loved.